Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Hello, happy Father's Day, Faith Promise. How you guys doing? Man, it is great to see you. Well, our dads across our campuses have already stood and taken them out. Guys, we are, we're just thrilled that you're with us. We love Father's Day. And at Faith Promise, we just love men. I, I don't know. It's a place where guys can be guys. They can be men. We can love each other. Just be obsessed with Jesus. Listen, the more that we love Jesus, the more that we can love each other, the more we can be all that God intended for us to be. Amen? And so, guys, we love you. All of our campuses, we say welcome to Campbell County and Anderson County, to Blount County and North, to our internet campus in Pellissippi. Welcome this weekend again. Happy Father's Day. It's great to see you guys. Hey, before we dive in the message, let me remind you of something. At every campus, there's a card. Looks like this. It says Global Leadership Summit. We really, the, the, more that we, the more we improve, the more that we grow in our leadership quotient, the more of an impact we can have on more people. So I really want to challenge you. Get online this week and, and, and register and get here. It's going to be some of the greatest teachers and communicators on the planet. Last year was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, we want to be better as, as mothers or as fathers. We want to be better as small group leaders or wherever you work or Whatever, wherever God has you, that you will be able to improve. So I want to challenge you. Be there. I'll be there. It's going to be amazing. You simply don't want to miss it. Well, I got a lot of emails, got a lot of Facebook, got a lot of Twitter uh, the last week. Is are you going to beat the men up again? You know, it'll be the 18th year in a row. You love on the women. You beat the guys up. Okay, I got that. I understand. We men are going to dive into the deep end of the grace pool this weekend. Come on, somebody help me in the house, man. We're going to dive in there in the, absolutely in the, in, the, in the deep end because really when you, when you, one of the struggles of being a man is that men are all about merit. Men grow up in the merit system. It's the way men and women are, are a little different. And so men are about merit and God's about grace. And so men tend to look at their walk with God based on what they have done or what they have not done or where they have blown it or the mistakes they made or their past, whereas God looks at a whole different lens. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a, a unique passage of Scripture for Father's Day. We're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at the cross. We're going to look at the day that God crossed his arms. Lord Jesus, we want to see you today. We know that you are revealed in every page of Scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And Lord, we know in the Gospels you're so clearly revealed, but in the Old Testament, the Elder Testament, the types and the shadows, the prophetic paintings and pictures that are there for us to glean and understand are absolutely magnificent. So we would see Jesus this week. So even out of the first book of your book, would you open our eyes that we might understand you in a greater way, that we might understand how you see us, men, women, students, all of us, especially the dads this week. And oh God, we want to see your son in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. all right, we're going to look again. This is going to be a different uh, we say that all the time. It's, 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 it's different, especially when we say we're going to talk about the cross and we go to Genesis. But in Genesis chapter 48, verse 1, it says this. Now, it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. Then let's, let's roll 4 to 13. 
Joseph looked at both of them, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right. And he brought them close. But Israel, who is Jacob, Joseph's father, God changes his name later in his life from Jacob to Israel. Uh, but Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. But, jo- but he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless these lads, and may my name live on in them in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him, and he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so. We ought to circle that in your Bible. Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He will also become, uh, he will... Uh, he will also become a people, and he will be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. Then if we go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, And he, who, uh, and he made him who knew no sin to, uh, to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now we're going to let me sort of set this up for a few minutes, and we're going to go back. We're going to pick that up. So, so keep that, keep that, those passages open, especially Genesis. Let me ask you a question. If you're listening, say, "I am." Have you noticed that men and women are different? Okay, you got that right. That's not a newsflash for anybody. You, you got that. I mean, listen. As soon as they're old enough to crawl in the nursery. The boys act one way and the girls act another. I mean, it is unbelievable how God wired us different. And man, viva la difference. I'm glad he, he made us different. It'd make us all the same. And, and, and let me tell you one of the ways that God wired men and God wired women, and, and we're sort of shifting that. As we go through Scripture, one of the things that we see is God wired men to be the initiators. Men to be the initiators. And he wired women to be the responders. So men initiate, right? And women respond. It's the, those things are changing in our culture. Have you noticed? Because men are becoming seemingly more backward and shy. Have you noticed that? That women have had to become more aggressive. You know what I'm talking about? And so women are, you know, they're going across the church and they're introducing themselves to a guy because he can't walk across and say hello to her. It's amazing how many single guys say, hey, who is that back there? What's her name? And I say, dude, you don't even have a job. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You, you don't have a job. I'm not telling you her name. Get a job, and then I might, I could even introduce you. But you, I mean, come on, move out of your mother's basement. And then, you know, get a job. And are you, you know what I'm talking about? So the roles, <laughs> this is bad. The roles have sort of reversed today. But it was always that men would initiate and that women would respond. And our culture's flipped it. And it's really that way in the Bible. And Jesus is referred to many times as the husband or the groom. And the church is referred to as the what? The bride. And so the, 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 the groom, the Lord, is the initiator. Matter of fact, if, when you see people burned out at church, 
man, I've served and I'm tired and, man, I'm just sort of done. Have, have y'all seen people sort of burn out and fall out, rust out, waste out? Have y'all seen that? I mean, they just, it's quick, come and say, what happened, man? I don't know. I just, man, I just burned out. When people burn out in church, let me tell you what they're doing. They're initiating. And, and, and really what happens is when we walk by faith, God does the initiating. Matter of fact, all through the Bible, when you look at the prophets and, and the patriarchs and you look at the apostles and, and you look at the writings, you will see God doing the initiating. And then what we do is we respond to God. Does that make sense? But, but what's happened in the church is it, it, even today is sort of like the roles reverse with men and women. What we're doing now is we're sort of initiating and we're trying to do this on our own strength and we're trying to gut this out in our own flesh. We're trying to make it and we're trying to work harder for God so that God will smile and that God will be pleased. And that's not how God sees it. See, everything that we do in the kingdom of God should be a response to what Jesus has done. Does that make sense? See, faith is responding to Jesus and the finished work on the cross. Worship. What's worship? Worship is a response to the grace of God. Man, I've been at camp all week with your kids. And I'm going to tell you, there's some radical worship. It was kids getting saved, man, folks getting delivered. It was unbelievable. It's just amazing. It's great. Tremendous. Some of the best sermons I've ever heard, and it was between Pastor Zach and Pastor Matt. It was, it was just off the chart. But see, worship is not, okay, I'm going to try to work this up, and I'm going I'm to show God how much I love. No, worship is a, is a response for what God has done for us. Does that make sense? We, just, we respond back to him, serving God is a response to God's goodness and God's favor and God's blessing. Giving, when we, when, we, when we give to the Lord through his church, it's not, man, so I can go to heaven. or Man, we give out of a heart of gratitude. We give because we're saved. We give because we, we, we are overflowing with the blessings of God, and we want to give back. Even a quiet time or devotion or whatever you want to call it, time of the Lord, it is a response from our heart to God's heart from what God has done within our hearts. That makes sense. Man, God has loved us, and he saved us, and he's blessed us. And, and out of that, out of our innermost being, out of that, we have this response back to God. 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he what? He first loved us. Romans 5, 8, what God demonstrated is love toward us. And while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. Before we were born, when we were an enemy with God, man, he was loving us. And so everything that we do in the kingdom of God, everything we do by faith is a grace, is a response to God's grace. See, Jesus didn't walk across the room. Jesus crossed the solar system. And Jesus, the creator, became a man. And walked among us and lived perfect and was sacrificed on a cross and shed his blood and died to pay for our sins. And then he rose on the third day to prove that it all was true. That he was the, he was the great amen, that, that this is the real deal. See, he initiated it. We, we, we didn't say, hey, we need you to come die for us. 
We were sinners. We weren't looking for him. He initiated. He started it. He started creation. He started the law. He, see, everything in this Bible, God initiates. It's not man initiating. It's what makes our faith different than every other ism and ism out there in the world. We have what God started. It's amazing. It's awesome. And so, and so this, this, this understanding, this grasping grace, this realization of what God did, that God initiated this love relationship, and what does the church, the bride, the bride responds to the love and the compassion and the, and the wonderment and the awe and the mysterium tremendum and all that is that there is God. Now, if there is a deficiency in your walk, whether it's devotion or giving or serving, if there's an area of your walk that there's a, defen- that there's a, a, a deficiency, that you're struggling in an area, it's a response problem. It's a response problem. You, you remember when you went to, those of you that went to college and there was initiation week? You know, you play some fraternity or sorority or, or some group, and then there's that week of, of, play, of initiation. Y'all remember that? What we need is a greater initiation in the church. See, we need, an, we need an initiation of the grace of God. We need to understand the work of God. We need to be saturated with the cross. We need to, man, we need to get all up in some grace and understanding of forgiveness and pardon and that your sins have been thrown as far as the east is from the west and God puts it behind him and God does remember and he canceled the decrees and on and on and on. The, the Bible teaches how God covered our sins. And see, when we, when we get all up in some grace and then we, re, then we begin to respond, the bride responds to the groom, we become obsessed with Jesus. And listen, Hey, quiet time's easy then. Nobody's got to make you pray. Nobody's got to beat you up and, and, and sort of force you to read your Bible. As I told this, I did a message at camp about spiritual taste buds, about hungering, thirsting after righteousness. And one way that you know that you're saved is you have spiritual taste buds because nobody's born with a taste for the things of God. And I said, not that you, don't, you can't have fun. You can have fun. But, but if you have spiritual taste bud, the things of God are fun. Serving is fun. Giving is fun. Worship is fun. It's an enjoyment. So, man, I, I want to challenge our men on Father's Day. Man, let's be obsessed with the work of Jesus. Because what men tend to do, and, and I are one, so I get this. We tend to obsess about our weaknesses. We tend to obsess about our failures. We tend to obsess about what we've done wrong. You know, that, you, I, it's unbelievable how much time I've spent, and now my kids are grown, looking and thinking, where and how could have been a better dad? How, all the things that I wish I'd done, and man, I, and my kids have turned out phenomenal for the most part. I mean, there's, you know, <laughs> there's a Micah, but besides that, you know, I mean, my kids, our children have turned out well, and yet, you know what I obsess with? I don't obsess with what I did right. I obsess with what I did wrong. Does that make sense? And see, that's what we, us guys tend to do. That's why I wanted to go to Genesis. Actually, uh, Micah was the one that really sort of turned me on to this and said, Dad, let's, let's, you know, let's look at this and think about this. And, 
And, and you know, let, let me, he, so he really is the one that, that, that did this. And it's odd because the oldest son, which is Micah, gets sort of left out. And so it was odd that he would actually go to this. And so as we go to the story that I read you out of, out of Genesis 48, which is Joseph and Jacob or Israel, again, they're the same person. Understand, the Apostle Paul said, when you read the Older Testament, or the law, when you read the Pentateuch and all those, they are types and shadows of things to come. So we go back and we see Jesus in creation. We see Jesus in Proverbs, wisdom personified. We go back and we see all these prophetic pictures that are painted. And so the reason that I call this, this Dad's Day with Joseph, because, see, they didn't do what we do. They didn't have a day every year that they got together and whatever Dad wanted to eat and bought presents and all that kind of stuff. We, they didn't do that. They had one time their whole life when Dad or Granddad was about to die. And they would, bring the, they would bring the sons in. Sorry, ladies. You don't even count. And so they brought, they, brought, they brought the sons in, especially the eldest son. And they would be a blessing. I mean, because the, the patriarch was about to die. And we're talking about Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is about to die. And so he is, so this still, so in case you don't, let me just sort of rewind the tape real quick, give you a Reader's Digest version. Because most of you know who Joseph is, right? See, Joseph is the 11th son of Jacob. Je Joseph was the favored son. Remember his dad when he was a teenager? Man, he made him this coat that was battle-matic. You know what I'm talking about? It was multicolored. Nobody had a coat like it. You could see him coming. He stood out in the crowd. When his brothers worked, he didn't have to work. He was a mama's boy and a daddy's boy. He was a favorite. Hey, you boys, get out there and pull weeds. Joseph, come in here and watch TV with me. And so his brothers hated him. They hated him. And so they could tell. Then Joseph has this dream. And he's, he's there, 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 there the next morning, man, they're eating their eggs. And Joseph says, hey, guys, man, come here. I had a dream. What happened? All, man, listen, all the she's bowed down and worshiped me. And you're the she's, and y'all bowed down and worshiped me. Now, this is the baby brother. There are 11 of them. The youngest, Benjamin, is not yet born. And, he, and the brother said, what? We're going to worship you? Yeah, I'm going to tell you, we're about to lay some hands on you, punk, because it's about to be over with you. So a couple weeks later, he has another dream. Now, he's young. He's not very, doesn't have much discernment. He has another dream. And he, they're at break, their breakfast again, all of them. He said, Mom, Dad, come here. you got to hear this dream. He said, listen, I had this dream, and I was the sun, and y'all were the moon and the stars, and y'all bowed down and worshiped me. And Jacob said, oh, wait, chill, dude. Listen, it's all right that your brothers worship me, but me? I mean, what? I will take you in the woodshed and show you some worship, boy. Punk. I mean, let me. And so, and so you know the, if you know the story, one day his brothers were out of the sheep, and so they, the dad said, hey, Joe, go check on your brothers, make sure they're working, because he was a snitch, too. You know what I'm talking about? He was a piker. And nobody likes a snitch. And so, he's, so he goes out there, and his brothers see him coming. How can they tell it's him? He's got that coat. They hated that coat almost as much as they hated him. And so he's walking out, and they, they, at first they just said, let's, let's just beat him up. And so they did. They just kicked the moo out of him. They just, they just, they, and then they, they, they were going to kill him, but they throw him in the cistern, this pit. And they're eating lunch because they're tired because they've been beating on Joseph. 
About that time, this traveling group of, of Ishmaelites come by, and they say, let's don't kill him. Let's sell him. So they sell him. And they're all dividing the money. They took that coat that he thought was so big time, killed a sheep, put the blood on it, went home. I said, hey, Dad, we're not sure. Is this Joseph's coat? Because some ate him. I mean, we don't know what happened. It looks to us like something ate him. Sorry. Sucks to be him. I mean, we don't know what happened. And so the dad's crying, and the Ishmaelites take him to Egypt, and they're selling to Potiphar, and he takes over Potiphar's house. He is so blessed. Potiphar, the Bible says the only thing Potiphar worried about was what he was eating for breakfast, lunch, and supper. Because he was making money. Everything was taken care of. Then, you know, his wife got the hots for Joe because Joe was ripped, six-pack, man, studly, like, like your pastor. And he's, <laughs> and, you know, and so, but he says, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, he says, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, and so he goes in and do some work. Nobody there. So she's trying to seduce him. He said, no. So she grabs him, and he takes off, and he drops his coat. Now, if I was him, I would quit wearing coats. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And so she screams, everybody comes in. She said, ah, this Hebrew tried to rape me. So he was sold in slavery. Now he's in the prison. He's in the the prison, and he's been there for years. And then the baker and the the cupbearer come, and they they have these dreams. And and so one of them said, well, well, Joseph, tell me your dream. He said, hey, three days, man. You'll be back serving the king. The other one said, hey, I had a dream too. Oh, wow. He's killing you in three days. Really bad to be you. And so the baker goes, and the other guy, he goes back, and, and he forgets about Joseph. Two years later, now Pharaoh has a dream. And, and the dude says, oh, wow, my bad. My bad. There's a dude in jail, really didn't do anything. He's in the dungeon, and, 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 and he, he, he told everybody what their dreams are. So they get him out, man. They shave him. They put mascara. You know the Egyptians are. They put makeup. They bring him to the Pharaoh, and he says, hey, man, I have those dreams. Seven fat cows, seven skinny cows. What's well, me? So I can tell you, man, seven good years, seven bad years. If I was you, I'd take stuff, store it up, and seven good years, seven bad years, you'll be the Mac Daddy. So you're the man, man. I haven't seen anybody sharp as you. So you're the man. Boom, gives him his ring. He's vice president of the world. So his brothers show up. A couple years later, they're hungry. They're hungry. You know what I'm talking about? There's no food left in Israel. So so Jacob sends them on over there. They show up, and they don't recognize Joseph because he's got makeup on. So he shaved his beard. They don't, so he messes with them. You know what I'm talking about? I'd mess with them, too. He put this cup in the bags and the money and then called them slaves. Y'all slaves? Y'all spies? No, no. Like, y'all spies? I'm killing y'all. No. No, we got one daddy, one little brother. Little brother, what's his name? Ben, bring him. Oh, no, we can't do it, man. Oh, listen, then I'm going to kill all y'all. Okay, we, we'll go get Ben. And then the story ends that they come back and he reveals himself. And he says, I'm going to take care of you. Go back, get my daddy, get everybody. I'm going to put you. Hey, listen, I'm going to put you in Sequoia Hills. I mean, Goshen. Goshen. <laughs> if it was Knoxville, it would have been Sequoia Hills. Fergus not old enough yet. And so it's, it's Sequoia Hills over there. And so, man, they, they roll in. And, man, they've got the best of the land and all the stuff. And, and, and so, man... You know, Jacob is thrilled, and he gets old, and Jacob's about to die. And there's where we pick it up in verse 48 of chapter 1. They go get Joseph, and they say, hey, dude, your dad's going to pass. So he goes home, and he gets his boys, Manasseh and Ephraim, and he takes him to his dad, Jacob or Israel. And, man, listen, 
This is the greatest day in Joseph's life. Get, get this. Joseph loved his father and never dreamed he'd see his dad again, much less he's sitting there. And his dad, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham's grandson, the father of faith's grandson, is about to lay his hands on Joseph's two sons and transfer the Abrahamic blessing. One of the most amazing blessings in all the Bible. He's about to give it to his boys. Man, I mean, this is the deal. Can I tell you, dads and moms, listen, every kid longs for this. Now, when I say every kid, I'm not, I don't mean eight or nine. They could be 80 or 90. But if you didn't get the blessing from your dad or your mom, then you spend the rest of your life looking. Or you can be like me. Since my mom and dad split up and I didn't get the blessing from my dad, I got it from my heavenly father. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. And so they, so they go in, and man, this is, this, is, this is unbelievable. This is wonderful. And he goes in, and man, Joseph knows the deal. So he puts Manasseh, the oldest, right here by the right hand of Israel. And he puts Ephraim, the younger son, right on the left hand. And, and man, he's getting ready to bless because, listen, all the anointing is in the right hand. Are you with me? Left hand? Well, it's there. I mean, a little for you too, Manasseh, Ephraim. I mean, come on, some for you. But, he, but they got the right hand. It's for the eldest brother. It's, it's the favor. It's the anointing. It's the blessing. Man, it's the bomb. It's the deal. This is a dream come true. It's unbelievable. Now, you could be like, I mean, can you imagine Ephraim, the younger one, said, come on, Dad, I want the right hand. Oh, come on, Dad. I, come, come on, I want the right hand. I'm sorry, son. You can't have the right hand. It's not fair. I can't believe I want the right hand. I'm sorry, Ephraim. You were born wrong. So you were born second. And in this day, it wasn't about fair. It was about the eldest. There was no complaining. But guess what, gang? Don't you get this? We were all born wrong. Because we were all born in sin. I'm not saying you were conceived in a sinful act. I'm saying we were all born into sin, into a sinful nature. And we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, there's no way Ephraim could fix that he was the younger. And there's no way that you can fix that you were born wrong. Can't give enough money. You can't do enough good stuff. You can't appease God enough. There's nothing you can do to cover up the fact that you were born wrong. And see, we dads, we want to fix it, don't we? And so we work. Again, we, we, we work. And so, man, so, so Israel starts praying. And, man, it's a holy moment. They're on holy ground. Man, Joseph's about to be taking up fat little naked angel babies all around, you know, little, man, I mean, it's the, it's the deal. It's, and, and, and Israel, Jacob, is, he's pouring out the word and passing the multitudes, and you'll be a mighty nation, and all of a sudden, Joseph sees that, that, that his dad had switched hands. And he put his right hand on the young one. And his left hand, he put on the, on the older one. And he said, oh, whoa, whoa, that ain't right. Hold up. Whoa, dad, wait. And he's mad about it. It displeased him in verse 17. He grabbed his father's hand. He said, dad, you're blinder than I thought. 
Dang, can't you see he's taller? He said, come on, put your right hand on. And he tries to move his hand. He tries to move his hand. Joseph says in verse 10, not so, my father. This is the firstborn. Not so. And you know, there's a ton of us, especially men living in a not so mentality. When somebody says you could be healed, not so. God could bless your business, not so. God could bless your walk with him. God could bless your marriage. God could restore. God could bring the the prodigal home, not so. You don't understand, I don't deserve it. You don't understand where I've been. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand. See, you can't blame Joseph for being mad because Joseph understood the merit system. He got that. He worked his way up in Pharaoh's house, he, in Potiphar's house. He worked his way up at the jail. He worked his, you know, he was number two in the world. He got the merit system. But see, the merit system is you get what you deserve. God says it's the grace system and you don't get what you deserve. Man, listen, come on. We've got we've to get that. We've got to get it. John 1.17 says this. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus. Let me tell you what grace is. Grace is God meeting you at your point of greatest need. Because that's what God does for all of us. Your greatest need. When you're so undeserving, when you are Ephraim, and there's nothing you can fix, and there's nothing you can do, and you look up and God is meeting you, with his marvelous grace. See, grace is, Jesus is grace with the legs. See, Jesus is our Manasseh. Because he, he was the eldest son. He had the birthright. He was blessable. He was supposed to get it. He deserved the blessing. And, 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 instead, of, and instead of the father putting the right hand on Manasseh, he switched it because we were Ephraim. And God took the blessing that should have been for Jesus and he put it on our head. And he took the left hand of wrath and anger and forgiveness for everything we would ever do and he laid it on Jesus. And he became, he's, he's, he became our Ephraim so that we could be Manasseh. See, God crossed his hands as Jesus took the left hand. See, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, And he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, Jesus became so we could become. You can get the gospel down to two words, became and become. Jesus became sin so that we could become righteous. You said, but you don't understand, Chris. You don't understand where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how badly I've run it as a dad or a businessman. Or you don't, you don't know what I've done. I've done things nobody knows about. I don't deserve it. I, I'm Ephraim. I deserve the left hand. I don't deserve any. It, listen, if you deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. But God switched hands. See, grace We've got, guys, come on, all of us, but especially the men, we've got to embrace grace because grace is the scandalous love of God. It's a scandal that he loves us like he does. The the psalmist prayed in Psalms 25, 7. He prayed this. 
It's in there somewhere. Old Testament. Psalms 25, 7. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. See, God doesn't forgive us because we deserve it. He forgives us because of his scandalous love for us. See, I don't serve God so I can be saved. I serve because I am saved. I serve because I've been initiated into grace. I don't give. Man, I don't give so, you know, man, people think I'm spiritual or God will smile on me. I give because I love to give. I love to give. I love to give. My, on, my, on my journal, my growth plan this year, you know what my goal was to give $100,000 to the kingdom of God this year? That's my goal. Give, but Michelle and I give $100,000 this year. Why? Because, Matt, we love to give. We love to worship. We love to serve. Why? So God won't be bad? No. We do it because we get the scandalous love of God. We do it because God has been so good. It's a response. So, men, listen to me. Quit obsessing where you have screwed up. Quit obsessing where you have failed. Okay, acknowledge it. You failed. And thank God it's covered by the blood of Jesus. Man, come on. Obsess over him. He's our Manasseh. Obsess over him. The Bible says he who the Son has set free is free indeed. You are free. You're free to serve. You're free to love. You're free to have a great marriage. You're free to man, have a great ministry. You're free to be blessed. You're free to walk in power. You're free to be healed. You are free to walk in anointing. You are free to experience God. You are free of your past and your guilt and your shame. You are free because God switched his hands. Now we are Manasseh. Now we are blessed. Why? Because of his scandalous love. Man, this will be the only good one you get, so you better enjoy it. We'll be back on the law next year. And thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, you are in every page. You are all the way through. Grace and truth came through you are grace with legs. And almighty God, we need your forgiveness. Oh God, we need your presence. God, the devil just absolutely backs up the guilt truck and dumps it on us. Lord, we live in a merit system world and it so impacts us, but God, this world system is not your system. You're opposed to this world system because this world system is set up against you. And so, God, would you open our eyes to grace? Would you open our eyes to your power? Would you open our eyes to your awe, to your wonder that you covered our sins up, that as you see us right now, we're white as snow. As you look at us, those of us that are born again, we, you, you see us right now through the blood of your Son. God, thank you that, that we don't have a not-so, but we've got a Manasseh, and you put your right hand on us, and we receive your favor and your glory. We receive your mercy and your might. We receive your forgiveness, and God, you don't remember our sins. Help us forgive ourselves and help us walk in freedom and help us be radically obsessed with Jesus, initiated into grace and walking in freedom. In your mighty name we pray, and all God's people said, somebody give God some praise in the house. Man, come on. Now, maybe you grew up religious. And you're still trying to work your way. You're on that hamster wheel, the treadmill of religion, wondering, have you done good enough today? Have you worked hard enough? Did you give enough money today? Have you, have you done enough today? And it's time for some of you to get off the treadmill 
and get on the grace train and embrace the grace of God and walk in freedom. Be the men that God intends you to be. If you're a dad, man, let that grace flow to your kids. Let that grace permeate your home. Don't rule your home with an iron fist. Let that grace permeate. Let your children understand when they blow it and do stupid things just like you do. The dad is going to be there with a hand of love and forgiveness. Dad is going to be there because that's what our heavenly father does. Amen. So come on, guys. Man, let's step up. Let's step in. Man, I love the men at Faith Promise. We have elders that serve in preschool and children. and Man, we have guys, men that are down in the floor with color crayons teaching little boys and girls every weekend that Jesus loves them. Step in. See, some of you have been on that religion treadmill and you've never just stopped back and said, you know, God, I can't do it anymore. I just give it to you. I truly need a relationship with you because everything we do is a response to what God's done. So maybe you're ready to open your heart up. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to open your heart up to Jesus, you understand it's not about, he's not up there with a, with, a, with a hammer. He's up there with a towel. And just, if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, come on, faith. Promise us to pray this prayer with these folks. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Cover my sins with the blood of Jesus. I put all my faith in you. Help me love you. Help me respond to you. And help me walk in freedom. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right. If you prayed that prayer with me, there's a communication card in front of you. If you'll take it and fill it out, drop it in the offering box. Or there's going to be campus pastors uh, that will be down front, folks, to pray with you. Or if you're on the Internet, you can go to the chat room or you can go right there and click the communication card. Either way, there are people waiting for you in the chat room right now. You can fill your communication cards, drop them where we bring our offerings. Hey, by the way, can I just say, can I just say, man, this is the greatest giving summer that we have had so far. Way to go, church, man. So proud. So proud. Way to go. Way to go. And one last thing before you go. Hey, we still have two more days or one more day of camp, so continue to pray for the camp. But these cards are in your chair. I want to challenge you. You want to be better. Man, this, this will be outstanding. I'll be there. All of our staff will be there. Our interns will be there. I want to challenge you to, to get there. It's, it's going to be one of the greatest things that we'll do all year in leadership development. So it's in there. It's in the seat back pocket in front of you. Take it. Uh, go online and sign up. Man, it, it, I promise you. Listen, if you go, you don't like it, I'll give you money back. That's just how committed and it's going to be great. This is going to be good. And so, man, we love you. Men, man, we love you. Thank God you're here. Listen, man, what the world says a man needs to be and do is not what the Bible says. So we choose Bible. So, man, let's love on each other. Man, you have a great Father's Day. We'll see you guys next week. We, we love you. Be blessed. <laughs>